It's a privilege to be able to share the word of God with each one of us this morning. And uh, I was ministered to while I was preparing for this morning. So we are wrapping up this woman's month with a mini-series titled, uh, She is Called, just like Valdir has just said. And this is a two-part series of which we are taking a look at two women from the Bible and see what wisdom we can gain from their lives. There are many women that we could be speaking about in this series, but we only have time for two. The idea behind the title um, of the series was not for it to be aimed only at women or to talk about God's calling on your life as a woman, but rather the title means that these women we are looking at were used by God for something greater than they could have imagined. She was called by God for something more. Her life pointed to God's goodness, faithfulness, provision, amen. She was called to live a life that would go down in history. And the aim of this mini-series is for us to look at two women, look at their story, and see what wisdom, what lessons can we learn from their lives. Lessons that apply to both men and women, and to both young and old. So this morning, we are looking at Sarah, the mother of nations, Abraham, and Sarah were a very special couple. They both loved God, and God loved them. They, he, was a, he had great plans for their lives. Abraham had a great and intimate relationship with God. He walked closely to God. He was known as the friend of God. Sarah loved Abraham, and obviously Abraham loved her as well, and her marriage was built not only on love, but on respect and partnership. Where he went, she went, not as a shadow, but as an influence, a strong influence. And by his love and respect for her, we can see that Sarah enjoyed an equality with Abraham that was rare for a woman in her day. Abraham's dreams were her dreams. She shared his dangers and felt his heartaches. She took whatever risks were necessary to make him happy and to protect his interests at all times. She lived through adversity as well as prosperity. She shared responsibility and took authority in her husband's absence. She was a woman of great strength and character, a woman of great destiny and purpose. God had given Abraham a promise, and this promise was that he would be the father of nations. And that happened in several occasions. It, was a, it wasn't a once-off promise. That promise was repeated throughout. And between Genesis 12 and Genesis 15, that promise was repeated. And this, by default, obviously made Sarah the mother of nations too. We read in Genesis 12 too, and we're going to look at that scripture which reads, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you your name great, and you shall be a blessing. God promised them a son, and God's promise was given when Sarah was 65 years old. Abraham was then 75. And God promised Abraham that Sarah would be a mother of nations. Not only that he would be a father of nations, but, in a, but he also that she would be a mother of nations. And in Genesis 17, 16, we read, 
I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. Now, this promise is beautiful, and it's a wonderful promise. Abraham was going to be exceedingly fruitful. In other words, Sarah was going to be exceedingly fruitful as well. But after 10 years of waiting, whew, Sarah got tired of waiting. She was then 75. How would you feel after 10 years of waiting? And by this time, Sarah's heart got sick with impatience, doubt, and insecurity. And this caused her faith to be affected. And obviously, she lost a little bit of faith or a lot of faith in the promise that was given to them to the point of almost non-existence. The waiting distorted her faith, but also distorted of the way she looked at herself and the purpose that God had for her life and the purpose in the grand scheme of things. You see, Sarah had passed the childbearing period in her life. But when she was young, she hadn't fallen pregnant either. So by this time that we meet her in Genesis 15, her hopes of having a child had been deferred for so long that she started to second guess herself. And what happens when you start guessing Yourself, You start doubting, you start losing focus. And she started having this conversation with herself. And she started saying, you know, God had said that Abraham would be a father of nations. But maybe his plan doesn't include me. Perhaps Abraham is supposed to be a father of nations, but I'm not meant to be in the picture. I have never been able to conceive up to this point, after all, and I'm definitely at a biological disadvantage at the moment, at this point in my life. Sarah just couldn't see how God was going to fulfill the promise at this point in time. So she decided to take things into her own hands. Does that sound familiar? When you get tired of waiting for God's promise, you think, I have to do something to help this thing along. I have to do something to just help God. Does God need help? I didn't hear you. God definitely does not need our help. Amen? So she stopped looking at herself and she started looking outwardly. And she started looking at her circumstances and thinking, what can I do to sort out this problem, to really make this come to fulfillment? And she found somebody that she thought just fitted the profile. Her servant, Hagar. She was young. She was fertile. How could you doubt that this couldn't help the solution, that this could be the answer to the problem? After all, she had everything that Sarah didn't. Hello. And she saw in her everything that would logically be needed to bring forth a promise. And we will find this strange in our day, but for those days this was quite a common practice. And it was acceptable. And this is why we read a conversation between Sarah and Abraham in Genesis 16:2, where she says to Abraham, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarah. Just look at the scripture again. Just right here. This is something that Sarah told Abraham. And I just picked up two or so three things that, 
you know, just already. She, she wanted to put this plan in motion, but there was a little bit of confusion and doubt. She said, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Can you see how distorted her mind was? God was not restraining her from having children, but her reality, this is what she believed. And when she told Abraham to go with the maid, she says, perhaps. She didn't say, and I will have children. She says, perhaps. So there's doubt in her mind all the way. And of course, Abraham heeded the voice of Sarah. Have you ever felt like you needed to help God? And taken things into your own hands, look for a solution, look for something to do, something to say, to bring a solution to this problem? Why am I even asking? Right? I'm sure that some of you have. Would you know that anyone who hasn't? We look at our familiar situation around us and use it to try and help God out. But we should know better, right? So I want to remind you of something right now before we go on. Don't complicate God's promise with your solution. Sarah saw a baby, but God saw nations. It's a big difference. The worst thing about all this is that despite of Sarah's best efforts of scheming and plotting, the promise was not fulfilled through her plan. It was not through Abraham and Hagar. Yes, they had a son, but he was definitely not the chosen vessel that God had chosen because God had not chosen Hagar. He had chosen Sarah. But like so many capable people, Sarah Sarah developed a set of symptoms that when left unchecked, only lead to trouble. And when we do so, we will find ourselves living with the sour consequences of a self-do-it life. Or do-it-yourself life. Right? And Sarah, she thought that she was helping God, but all she did was actually make things worse and complicate the situation for herself and for others. Because we all know that our mess-ups don't only mess us, but mess us, mess those around us, those closest to us. Am I right? The moment Hagar became pregnant, she despised Sarah. Why? Hagar had something that Sarah didn't, and she felt she had the upper hand. When Ismail was born, it didn't get any better. And Sarah's life became marred with a heartache of watching her husband develop a relationship with another woman. And all that subsequent rivalry and conflict between the two of them, between Hagar and Sarah. And we read this in Genesis 16 and then later in Genesis 21 as well. And for what? All that because she took things into her own hands. That child was a constant reminder that she had made a bad decision. That situation, it just showed a lack of faith and trust in God and keeping her eyes focused on the promise. Every day Sarah had to look at him and watch the way Abraham treated Ishmael. After all, he was his son, right? And this planted the seed of bitterness 
in our heart. And children of God, we all know what bitterness does in our lives. Bitterness is like poison. And eventually it starts leaking out of our heart and it starts reaching out to those around us. And we've become very unwanted people. And this is what happened with Sarah. She became, she became nasty. She became ugly. And though this ordeal is going on, she keeps on forgetting about God's promises. She had not been reminded again of what God had promised in Genesis 18:14, where the Lord had spoken to Abraham, and it says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Sarah's situation, like I said, is marked with different specific symptoms that, that sort of clouded her thinking, clouded, clouded her concentration on what God had told her, but she wasn't interested in that. The symptoms were clear. And what were the symptoms? The symptoms was impatience and unbelief. She became impatient waiting for God's promise to be fulfilled. So in other words, she lost focus of the promise. She had no understanding of divine delay. She, she couldn't understand how God was going to bring this to fulfillment in his time. Not in her time, but in his time. And it's sometimes hard to wait and believe in God's timing. But that's when we need to exercise patience and trust and faith in God. She then jumped to the wrong conclusions. You see, she concluded that, just like so many do, that she was the problem and she was the obstacle. So she thought, it is my fault. I'm standing in the way. I'm supposed to do something. And to humble myself and just to step aside or to offer an alternative solution. By devising an alternative plan to help the promise along. The hope of the baby of promise gave way to the reality of the baby of her own great idea. But her great idea was not God's idea. And many of us have great ideas. We're very creative with coming up with solutions and ideas. But they're not God-given ideas. There was no satisfaction in the life because with a life marred by the plan that backfired, Sarah ended up with a great Hagar hassle. Hagar was an asshole in her, big, in her life, but it was a biggie. It wasn't a small thing. This was a big hassle, and she was faced with this. And how sad to realize, finally, that the alternative is not the solution, and that there is no way to turn back the situation we have created. Sarah could not erase Ishmael, or Hagar's disrespect for her. And now she had a baby, but she still didn't have the promise. So the complaining was another symptom. So she says, this is miserable. I can't take it anymore. What shall I do now? A life full of groaning and moaning is often a symptom. We create the situation, and then we moan and we groan. Hello. The other symptom was using influence to manipulate people. You see, Sarah had a great influence in two people in her life. Her husband, Abraham, and her servant, Hagar. 
And she used that for her own scheme, for her own plan. And when she could no longer stand the frustration of her life, she used that influence over the two of them and led them into a bad decision. And as we can hear, that backfired for everyone. Not only for Sarah, it backfired for everyone. So of course, we sometimes when we mess up, we don't like to take the blame, so we start shifting blame. Start looking for loopholes to shift the blame and, and, and see where I was not alone in this. So who can I blame in the meantime as well? Don't blame others for the consequences of your own decisions. Take responsibility for your own decisions. And Sarah should take full responsibility for what she did. When she offered, when offered the opportunity to take Hagar, Abraham was willing, perhaps too willing in my opinion. Yes, I heard a yeah somewhere. Hagar didn't hesitate either. When Hagar became pregnant after Sarah and Abraham, when um, Sarah told Abraham to sleep with her, their relationships turned sour. Hagar looked down on Sarah, and Sarah became abusive as well towards Hagar. Sarah knew she had made a bad decision. There was no doubt. She knew she had made a bad decision. Yet, she blamed it on Abraham. So she tells him, It's all your fault that I'm suffering this abuse. I put my maid in bed with you, and the minute she finds out that she's pregnant, she treats me like she's nothing. Isn't this typical? She created the problem. She told him, go into my maid. But now she says, Abraham, it's your fault. You see, although it was an acceptable practice for that time, I want to stop you a little bit. So men, just listen carefully. You see, although it was an acceptable um, ritual in those days, did Abraham have to say yes? Come on, men, speak to me this morning. Did Abraham have to say yes? Abraham, as the priest and as the man of the house, as the man whom God had been giving the promises, the man whom God had been reminding him of the promises, he should have stood up and said, Sarah, your plan is a bad plan. Because God has told me that you will be a mother of nations. How can I go and lie with your servant and bring that to pass? You see, he should have said no, but he didn't. Hello, men. He shouldn't have heeded to the voice of Sarah, but he should have rather heeded to the voice of God, the promises of God that God had repeatedly given to him. And people, when God gives us a promise, let nothing as inviting it might sound, don't let that distract you and lose your focus from what God has given you, from what you know is the best for you. Amen? You see, something to ponder. I really believe that the fact that Abraham went ahead with the idea that this actually delayed God's fulfillment of the promise. I didn't find a scripture for that, but I really believe in my heart. Instead of waiting 25 years God could have fulfilled the promise sooner. 
But you see, the idea, the great idea of, that Sarah put in motion delayed things. So things had to happen. Things had to take place. So now she had to make the best of a bad situation. Moans of complaining become sighs of resignation. This is the way it is. And this is the way it will be. Oh well, we'll just have to live with it. We'll survive somehow. But you see, this is where the story takes a turn for the better. The final outcome of Sarah's life is not that of one continuous trial of her faith in God's promise that she was to be a mother of nations. She eventually, she eventually emerged as a woman of power. She was a dutiful and beloved wife and she did become a favored and adored mother, mother eventually as well. But how? How did Sarah turn around? How did Sarah finally overcome a do-it-yourself plan and realize God's promise? Or remind, or was she reminded of God's plan? Sarah found a way to change. What was the solution? She did three things. And these were the three things she should have done before the great idea, but eventually she did it. And like we often say, rather late than never, right? First of all, she was reminded of the word of God, the word of the Lord for their lives. And we're going to read in Genesis 18.10 that says the following, And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. She went back to the promise. She was reminded of the promise that was given to Abraham. And she said, and she was, she remembered that he said, I will certainly come. I will certainly return in the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Amen? So she eventually submitted to God. And thirdly, she realized God moves in, in his time, on his terms, in his way, for his purpose. Not in my time, not in my way, but in his time and in his way and in his terms. And only then, only then did the breakthrough come. And we read in Genesis 21 verse 1 and 2, it says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. God's promise did not change. Nothing changed. All the promises were yes and amen. Nothing was altered. And it happened. Let's be grateful for Sarah's story. Amen. Sarah was blessed by God to be a royal princess. And God promised her to be a mother of nations to come. She would be the mother of kings of peoples. Royal lineages would come from her. She would be the mother of the royal line of King of David, from which the Savior would come. You see, despite of Sarah's fear and lack of faith and trust in God, God was faithful. He did for Sarah had he had promised. When we are tempted to close our heart to God and rely on our own resources, let us all be reminded of his faithfulness 
is faithful even when we are faithless. And when we dare to open our heart to trust him, even when we cannot see the outcome, he gives us faith to rest in the promise that he is working all things together for our good and his glory. So this morning, very quickly, I want to remind you of five lessons that we can take home from Sarah's story. And the first one is... Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And when he says, when it says nothing, it's what nothing means. Amen? Nothing is impossible with God. He gave Sarah the son he promised, Isaac, and he did it when she was 90 years old. Abraham was 100. Never forget that nothing is impossible for God and that miracles are everyday occurrences to him. So you, if you are in a tough spot, if you are uncomfortable and the impossible is the only thing that can help you, then you are a candidate for a miracle. And if God has made you a promise, if you can be sure that you will fulfill it. Amen. Bearing a child in our elderly years. Well, for most of us, even with medical intervention, this would be impossible. But for God, nothing is impossible. He even placed the baby in Mary's womb, the virgin. God can do more than we can ever imagine. He is God of all and our heavenly Father. And he isn't limited to the laws of biology and physics as humans are. Why? Because he is God. When you face a seemingly impossible situation here on earth, give it to God. He is able to do more than anything we can ask or imagine. And nothing is impossible for him. God can do anything. God is not hindered by physical limits. I can't emphasize this enough. Keep in mind that however, that while God answers prayer, he doesn't always answer it in the way or in the time that we think he should. He has plans we can't even fathom. Lesson number two, God always delivers on his promises. Do you believe that? God always delivers on his promises. God promised Abraham that he would be the father of nations. When Abraham and Sarah were at a time when they should have been way past childbearing years, they must have thought that God had forgotten them. But, oh God. But, oh God. 25 years after God made the promise to Abraham, he delivered. He never forgets a promise. He never forgets a promise. And what does he offer us today? What does he promise you and I today? He promised that he would, he would fight for us. He promised to give us strength. He promised to be with us and to protect us. He promised never to leave us nor forsake us. Do you believe that? These are God's promises for us today. And if he has promised, he will fulfill it. Because he doesn't lie. He's a God that promises and fulfills it. Number three, God's timing is always perfect. God's timing is always perfect. And our surrogate solutions are always poor substitutes for God's promises. Just take that in in consideration. When we try to create our own solutions, our actions <laughs> always produce negative results or consequences. 
attempts on our part to do God's work always fail. God must supply his way. When Sarah suggested that Abraham use Hagar as a surrogate, she turned a faithful servant into an enemy. A marriage became strained. A relationship with God was affected. And she caused a feud between the descendants of Isaac, Abraham and Sarah's son, and the one, Ishmael, which was Agar's son. And you know what? That conflict between them still continues with us today. We always have an opinion about how God should do things. Usually we spend what we, usually we want what we want now, and our reasons seem so good to us. But no matter how strong, clever, resourceful, or strategic we are, we cannot outthink God, nor should we try to get ahead of Him. So don't get ahead of God. God sees the entire universe. He wants the best for everyone at every time in human history. And he's weaving together the threads of everyone's lives. How can we possibly think that we can know better than he does? There's probably something that you want right now that God has promised you or that you want him to give to you or do for you or something that you are really trusting him for. And you may be trying to figure out how to get it in your timing instead of God's. Perhaps you are thinking, what can you do to just try and nudge the situation to just move quicker? My advice to you today is don't. Leave it alone. Leave it with God. Even your best will never compare to what God has planned for you. God reveals things to us on a need-to-know basis. When you don't know, need to know, God doesn't reveal it to you. In those times, what must we do? Wait patiently. Don't contemplate doing things your way or taking matters into your own hands. You see, the lesson that we take here is that God's timing is always perfect. And if you know our personal story, you will know that we waited for children. We trusted God for children for many years. We discussed the possibility of adoption. Our doctors at the time suggested in vitro treatment. And Valdir and I just, just felt to just wait on God naturally. And we even said, and we prayed, and we said, Lord, if we are to have children, we only go in the natural way. This is what God spoke to us. To other people, God might speak differently, but this is what God spoke to us. And many years into the waiting, eventually it was, Valdir was diagnosed with a brain tumor that was actually causing the infertility problem. There again, we trusted God. And God healed him. A month later, I was pregnant. And 11 years of waiting, after 11 years of waiting, Tanya came along and we were blessed with a daughter. Three years later, Reuben came along. You see, God had promised us children Valdir had a piece of paper. Sorry that I'm, I get emotional about this, but God, Valdir had a, had, a, had a piece of paper in his wallet that he carried with him. And in that piece of paper, he had there that God was going to give us a son and a daughter, 
before the age of 40. Reuben was born the year I turned 40. He was born in June and I turned 40 in September. We waited. And we praise God that our promise, our children of the promise, are today such a right hand in our ministry and helping us out of their own choice. Not that we push them, but out of their own choice. So we are grateful for them. So Tanya Ruben, you often see Tanya on stage. Ruben is behind the scenes running technical. We are grateful for your lives. Remember the promise will be established in God's appointed time. Surrender to him. Stay faithful to the promise that he has given to you. And he will be faithful to complete it. Although my story relates to children as well. Not all situations relate to children. Your problem be completely different. But our God is the same God. He never changes. Amen. So wait on him. So lesson number four. When you must wait, focus on God's character, not on your circumstances. When God is silent and we are required to wait, we often turn our attention to the wrong things. We focus on our circumstances and see nothing but the obstacles. That's what happened to Sarah. At the time, as time went by and the situation seemed more dire in her own eyes, she began to feel increasingly vulnerable. And when we need to remember that our circumstances, no matter how difficult the obstacle may seem, are nothing to God. His promises are true, no matter what. And I want to emphasize that this morning. Knowing God's will is not enough. But doing God's will is essential. And that requires total trust. I want to repeat that. I don't want you to miss that. You might know God's will. But if you don't do it, it's going to be of no good. You need to trust and have faith in God. There's another story which overlapped our story of waiting for children. At the time, we were being prepared for ministry as well because God had put a calling on our lives. And when Valdina and I received the calling for the ministry, it took 10 years for it to be fulfilled. I know what it's like to wait. It's not easy. But the rewards of the results of the fulfillment after all the waiting, it's all worthwhile. Because during the waiting, you go through pain. During that waiting time of us, while we were waiting for God's fulfillment in our lives, there were opportunities offered to us. And it was good opportunities. And looking back now, if we had accepted those opportunities, we would have missed God's purpose for our lives. But we turned them down and we chose to rather wait on God. And eventually, 10 years later, the full-time ministry promise in our lives was fulfilled. And when it happened, we knew this is the time. It still took a step of faith, 
But we knew that that was the time, and we took the step. Was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. It didn't cruise along from there, but we knew we were in God's timing. We knew we were in God's will. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Lesson number five. We all mess up and God doesn't hold it against us. Abraham and Sarah weren't perfect. They also messed up. In their journey, Abraham told Sarah at one stage, listen, tell everybody that you are my sister. Because he was, she was a beautiful woman. Sarah was a beautiful woman. And he was scared that the Egyptians were going to kill him so that they could take Sarah as their own. So he, he lied and he made Sarah lie as well. When God gave them the promises, they both, the word of God says, if you go and read from Genesis 12 onwards, you will notice that both of them in occasions laughed at God when God said that he was going to make them parents of nations. <laughs> so you see, and then we see the results of Sarah taking things into our hands. So they weren't perfect. So they also messed up. And remember that we need to walk closely to God. Abraham walked closely to God and still he messed up. So we've got to be very careful and walk very closely to, to God. So Sarah messed up and it caused quite a bit of strife from, for everyone. We mess, we mess up at times, but God is not going to withhold his love or his blessings because we mess up. He definitely didn't do that for Sarah when she messed up. And he's definitely not going to do that with us either. Why? We sang that this morning. We sang about God's wonderful love in our lives. That he is a faithful God. Amen? He loves us too much to do that. So he will never withhold his blessings and his promises from our lives. Conclusion. Let's remember the five lessons that we can take home from Sarah's story. First, nothing is impossible with God. Second, God always delivers on his promises. Third, God's timing is always perfect. Number four, when you must wait, focus on God's character, not your circumstances. And number five, we all mess up and God doesn't hold it against us. Don't try to get ahead of God when he isn't moving fast enough for you. Perhaps what you're waiting for is a promise from God or something you trust in God. Or perhaps it's a situation that you have created. You messed up. And now you're living through this con the consequences and others around you are also suffering the consequences. But don't do anything to go ahead of God. Stay in God's timing. Listen to his will. Listen to God's instructions for your life. And do God's will for your life. So if you find yourself in this spot, in this difficult situation, remember... Give in to God like Sarah did eventually. What did Sarah do? She turned to the word of God for her life. And you do the same. Listen to God's word for your life. Submit to him and accept that God moves in his appointed time. Amen. Can you trust God for that? And in closing, I want to ask, if you are here this morning and if you are watching online or listening to this recording 
and you find yourself in one or other situation and you can identify with what we shared this morning, I want you to stand to your feet right now and we're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to raise your hands in the presence of God and I want you to close your eyes right now. And I want to remind you that God loves you. God loves you. He gave his best. He gave his son to die on the cross of Calvary. To do everything for each one of us. So this morning I want you to be reassured of God's love for you. And in spite of our shortcomings, in spite of messes that you have created, of messing ups or of disobedience, whatever it is, I want you to know this morning, without a shadow of a doubt, that God loves you and he wants to come through for you. So right now, Father God, you see the hands of your people that are raised before you. You know each life, you know each heart, you know each situation. And I come against the lies of the enemy. I come against the, the, the plans that the enemy often comes and creeps with these lies into our lives. And we come against that right now in the name of Jesus. And that your people will be strong enough to stand on your word. To be prepared to wait on the promises that you have given them. On the promises that stand in the word of God for each one of our lives. And say, yes Lord, yet I am. I will wait for your timing. I will wait for your terms. I will wait for your full purposes for my life. And if you have to go through situations, difficult situations, because of, a, of an idea that you have created, I pray, Lord, that you will come through for each and every one, that you will touch each one and give them grace during the journey, that you will give them grace to cross the difficult path that they have to, to, to cross. But, Lord, that they will see at the end of the tunnel, there is light. You are going to come through for them, just like you came through for Sarah. We believe that you will come through for your people in Jesus' name. So this morning, we thank you for your wonderful love that you have demonstrated and for these lessons that we have learned, learned through Sarah's life, that we will be reminded of them, that we will turn to your word, that we will submit to you, and that we will know, that we will know and accept that you move in your appointed time. And God's people said, amen and amen. And now, Father God, I pray that the love of the Father and the peace and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will remain with each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Be blessed, people. Know that God loves you. Know that he, he wants the best for you and that he will come through you for you in his timing. Be blessed and have a wonderful week. Praise God.